0: Welcome to the Spring Fourth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording has been made for May 3rd, 2020, the fourth Sunday in the Easter season. incarnate God you are the one who comes to us in Jesus Christ holy one you are the one who comes to us in the Holy Spirit sovereign of earth and heaven you are the one who calls us to recognize you today and every day as splendid mystery gather our hearts and minds this day let us worship you in awe and wonder Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Acts chapter 2, 42-47 They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together, and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods, and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let us pray. God, we've grown exceedingly weary. We could use your guidance. We do not know how to proceed. We want to do your will. It is our desire to please you. Teach us from the ways of the early church that we can look upon one another not as enemies, not in a contest or competition, but as one unit, desirous that everyone shall prevail. May we follow the lead of your son, Jesus, who has set the tone and the example for how best to live in this world. His patience becomes our patience. His compassion, our compassion. His blessing is our opportunity. Open our eyes that we may see everything you have to offer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you. Bless, keep, and guide us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hello again. As you can see, I'm back indoors. It's a lovely day, too. But if I'm outside, I get distracted. When I get distracted, I don't want to do this. So it's best for me to stay indoors. I don't find myself discussing the early church that much. I probably should more, but what is unique in today's passage that we have is that Luke tells us that the early church had a comprehensive view of the gospel. As each person heard it, they began to share with others. They had all things in common. Somehow the compelling message of the Apostles convinced others that they too needed to join this greater family. It's the familial aspect of the gospel that plays out in the lives of these early church converts that leaves an impression upon us. At present, we find our own boundaries being really tested, greatly tested. Our sense of identity, our sense of Christian identity is being challenged every day, not just every Sunday when we normally would gather for worship. But we find out that every day we are now compelled to live differently trying to be God's people at a distance, as opposed to united, it always seems so much easier. Service becomes more difficult. But Luke doesn't really give us is how people lived prior to hearing the gospel. I mean, you would almost think that by reading Acts, that there was no sense of community prior to the disciples coming in, preaching the good news, and demonstrating the sort of collective spirit of those who are captivated by the message of Christ. But there had to have been some sense of community, some sense of understanding of family, inclusion, welcome and service. But perhaps what the gospel message did was it moved people beyond the boundaries and the immediacies of their own families. A man once described shopping for a church similar to shopping for shoes. He says, first of all, you go for fit. Then you shop for style. And there has been... A sort of consumer understanding, when we do gravitate towards houses of worship, if we have been away from church for a while and we find ourselves feeling this need to belong to a greater community, we do sample churches on the basis of, do we fit here? Does this place have people of a similar socioeconomic breakdown? Are there going to be conversations here that I'm going to be drawn into, or do I find myself an odd fit? You go for the content of leadership. Is the message compelling? Is the music good? Are the surroundings? What kind of offerings do they have for the rest of members of my family? Once you go and tick all of these different boxes and you say, this this is the place where I'm going to continue my faith. Well, then you have to start to realize, well, what am I bringing now to this community? What am I prepared to offer in return? There are elements of that in the Acts passage, where we see these individuals called from all walks of life. They heard the apostles preach, proclaim the good news, and immediately, all of a sudden, the sort of provisional boundaries that they would normally have around their possessions melted away. Bread was collectively shared. They sold their possessions and shared with those who had need. So there was no need among them. There was a a generous spirit that sort of overwhelmed those early converts. And they were at peace. I think that's the most compelling argument about the early church was that incredible sense of peace that they had, even though so often we stake our status We stake our sense of belonging. We stake our worth upon what we possess. What power we wield. The early church was based upon the mutual benefit of everybody. To make sure that everyone had equal measure. Enough food. Shelter. That their provisions were looked after. And they learned to pray and to teach in accordance with that truth. They heard... The same gospel that we hear, it's not a question that those in the first century had less than us, so therefore they had less to lose. People of every generation, every time and place, always possess something that is important to them. Something that they do not want to part with. And when they hear a message that allows them to loosen their grip upon that thing which was so precious to them, It's at that point that we know we're dealing with a significant and powerful message. We now realize the significance of our communities now that we've had time away from them. We think differently about what we will do when we return. We have our hopes, the people we wanna see. People we're probably already in contact with right now, but to see them in the context of worship changes the dynamic. Some of the folks, that we know, and that we have met, we have only met because we met them in worship. Perhaps we didn't know them outside, we didn't know them before we became worship partners together. So our identity and our relationships in some aspects have been forged by our time in this community that we share in common. But we are still God's people even though we are away from corporate worship. We are still just as effective at being able to convey a sense of the divine in us and through us, a sense and spirit of service that we can cultivate. All of that is still very viable, even though we do not have a place where that can play out in full. Consistency in faith is probably the most challenging and beneficial task that we are called to do as people of faith. To hear the message, To process it, to think about it, to weigh it in the context of our lives, but then to live it as often as we can. Now Luke makes it look easy in the book of Acts as he describes that first Christian community that was really just getting hold, that was taking hold. He makes it look so easy that somehow these people just, boom, got it. They heard the message, and miraculously the Spirit just took away all the humanity in them, filled them with the grace of God, and everyone played fair and nice. I would like to think that it took a certain measure of time to bring everyone around. And as you continue to make your way through the letters of Paul, and even through the remainder of the book of Acts, you realize that not everyone caught the spirit as conveniently as the apostles would have liked. Some people needed a first pass, a second pass, a third pass before they could finally say, okay, it's not about me. It's about the good and the benefit of the community. I think what this demonstrates, what the Acts passage demonstrates for me at this time is that community is not based so much about proximity. Close proximity is something we do not have right now, but yet we feel sufficiently connected. We hear from one another, we meet online, we have phone calls. There's a certain sense of connection by the seeing of others on a screen or the hearing of their voice or both. And we too are reminded That our walls are very thin. That we can reach out over great distances and pick right up where we've left off. And find and maintain that community that we have cultivated when we were together in the same house of worship. I think what's good for us right now during this time is to take these thoughts that we've cultivated. Our thoughts in solitude, our thoughts in quarantine and to cultivate them into a new religious perspective. What are gonna be some of the task items? What are gonna be some of the most important things to return to when we reboot our life? What are some of the things that we wanna leave behind and say, you know what? I discovered some things about myself that I I don't wanna be that person anymore. I'm I'm gonna let that go. But on the flip side, We've also discovered some things that are very important to us. New level of patience. Perhaps we've cultivated some long lost compassion and we've seen others in a new and different light. And we want to preserve that. We don't want to ever forget that. That's the kind of awakening that I think was happening to that early community. There was their existence before encountering the gospel and those enthusiastic apostles That life, they did life by the numbers. They worked. They lived. They had families. They ate. They slept. Right? They went through the numbers. They did their routine. Like we do our routine. And then, all of a sudden, they were presented with this incredible message. This Jesus message. And then they started to look around their community and they go, I could do more. I can... Love this person over there. I can help that one there. And I can feed this whole group just over the way. That's an incredibly new way of thinking from those who were caught up as we are in self-preservation mode. In fact, it might even just be the case that the reason that we joined a church was because our thinking was too small. By... Attaching ourselves to a faith community. We are going to be lumped in with individuals that we normally, if we were going to cultivate a circle of friends, then not everyone would make the cut. That's what's so remarkable about church in and of itself, is that as God places us all together, we learn to accommodate. We learn to listen. We learn to discover. There's not that much difference between the first believers and the first early Christian communities and our own, they were learning to hear and see and think and act differently. And every community of faith brings us to that point where we also can learn to cultivate an entirely new understanding of what is our call, what is our capacity, what, what what's in us, what is our worth, and how can we push that forward We can do this. It's not impossible. We invite God to show us a new thing as we prepare to make our way very slowly back to our corporate worship, back to our public spaces that we will not forget the lessons that we have learned, the lessons of transition, the lessons of renewal that we have learned during this downtime And how we have looked out on the world and we have longed for it to be healed. Not just physically of the actual disease in question. But of all the other things that have continued to exacerbate our ability to be as uniquely unified as that early Christian community was. They didn't have anything special over on us. They had no special capacity, no special abilities to get along any better than we do. They just wanted it more. And so I hope that we, in the hearing of our message and the response to the gospel, that we too would hear and want that same powerful healing community that looks after the well-being of each and every one. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks for your bounty, God. For new direction, new opportunities. The wisdom that continues to pour out over us. And the ability to recognize that you are with us. We pray that as we transition back to our lives, as we formerly knew them, that we will still exercise all necessary cautions. At this time, will not have been wasted. The discoveries that we have made, the things that we have learned, the conversations that we have had will all be of some great benefit to us as we transition back to the world. Ever mindful, always faithful. We ask you to remember those who are sick and suffering, those in hospital, those serving in hospitals. We ask that you be with those who Are traveling though not as many as before but in the weeks to come those numbers will increase keep folks safe be with us help us to sort out the many things that we are feeling help us with our fears as we ready ourselves to return to life, but we ask that you would remember us and remember those that we pray for as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done Now may the grace of God, love of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Amen.